and welcome to Etcetera, Etcetera with Young Southpaw. That's moi. Me, if you ain't got your French tongue on. Today's guest, we got Kieran Gillen. He's a British comics writer, done some fantastic stuff, man. My favorite is his collaboration with artist Jamie McKelvey for The Wicked and the Divine. Such a cool book. I mean, the idea is that every 90 years, a pantheon of ancient gods comes back to Earth. And they live for two years as immortals, you know, can do whatever they want. But at the end of that time, they die. And in this most recent incarnation, they come back as pop stars. It's wild, man. Definitely check it out if you haven't already. He's also recently done a book called Die, about a group of friends who get trapped inside a role-playing game. And I was thinking about having a D&D game based on music. And with this hitting his interests, I gave Kieran a call. So without further ado... Afternoon, Kieran. How you doing today? Good afternoon. I'm doing okay. I have to think about this. Okay. We'll go with okay for now. Okay. So I was thinking, man, that I thought it would be rad if you had like a D&D game where you like formed a band. I mean, it doesn't have to be Art Brute. It could be any band, you know. <laughs> but uh, then I got wind that you had done something like this. So uh, tell me about that. I wrote a comic called Die. Die is a comic which is kind of about... It's the sort of Jumanji setup. People get dragged into the RPG. Uh, and I actually, as part of this uh, whole awful idea in my head, I actually made a complete RPG system off the side based around the concept. So what you do is you make a real world group of people who are all emotionally messed up. And then you drag them into this fancy world, which is based around their neuroses and demons. And they get to basically deal with their their nonsense and either triumph or not so it's kind of about reality and fantasy whether you you know choose to submit to fantasy or whatever uh and one of the games i played of die was it's actually written up for polygon so you can sort of look it up you basically the people decide they all used to be in a band they're in a math rock band uh they're in this math rock band and they almost made it as in they were going to play the reading festival which is like you know one of the big music festivals in the uk uh and they were just on the way to the, the gig at Reading and there was a, a car crash and their drummer died and the band basically ended up splitting. Uh, and the kind of the game is set like 10 years later and they've all got back together and to play a role playing game just kind of on the same night. And then they get dragged into the Reading Festival they made. They almost made it to, except it's the kind of a hellish version of the Reading Festival. In other words, a lot like the Reading Festival. Uh <laughs> So it was like this. It was all set up around this band and their obsessions and the classic kind of like you know what drives them and what makes them messy. Uh, and I sort of used things like I, I dug up the set list for the Reading Festival, you know, the, the bill of everyone who's played, and I actually edited their band. They had a name. They were called um, Skirmish. Uh, they actually from, they were actually from the British town of Battle, so they were the Battles from Battle, uh, which was we thought was quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this band called so made up a logo for Skirmish, and I photoshopped them as the headliners on the main stage. <laughs> uh, so I handed out, I started handing out these flyers as a as a prompt during the game, and we used the uh, the playlists as in a, as in who was playing as a random encounters, as in who they okay who they end up meeting and having weird encounters. They met Brian Eno at one point. They met Bowie backstage. Whoa. It was it was a hell of a time. Wow. Yeah. So I was thinking, did they have uh, alignments? Because I was thinking you have like a chaotic evil bass player. That's just crazy because bass players are so <laughs> mild-mannered, you know? 
Yeah, it's like I would like to I would say almost everyone's basic alignment was chaos. I mean, Dai doesn't have it, but in terms of the fundamental rock and roll, uh, chaos is the only alignment worth having. Though drummers somehow, could, you know, if you're playing in time, you're also lawful. So it's all kind of a. Oh, that's something about the dichotomy about rock and roll there. Yeah. I was thinking, though, you got like drummers who are always. Most, a lot of drummers have the nickname Wild. Like you had Wild Mick Brown from Dokken. Did Dokken ever really make it over to the UK? I don't think they. Oh, they're one of those bands we mainly know from Americans talking about it, I think. Ah. It's a bit like. It's like Cheap Trick. We have no idea who Cheap Trick are. Like, but we're aware that Americans at some point cared about them. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, in your campaign, were there any sort of like Bill Drummond like sort of extravagance? going on you know like oh, uh, <laughs> i, I wish so i must say if i did it a bit this is only like die can work as a campaign which i'm just kind of working at the moment but this particular one was like a, a, sh- a one-off so it's not like when i say a one-off i don't mean like one evening i mean like uh, two or three nights we did like two or three sessions so it's kind of all quite intense uh no we didn't do drumming though i kind of wish i did now like you know the, the full illuminatus yeah. so you would have to do that at the glastonbury festival because you have the pyramid, the, you know, the main stage of Glastonbury is the pyramid. Of course. So, you know, that would connect to the drum and, you know, we get our KLF in, it'll be all sorted. Uh, yeah, I mean, the big, the kind of climax was they were kind of trying to play a gig, but they're, everyone at the festival were kind of zombies, was the kind of thing. And they were like fame-hungry zombies who kept on trying to tear apart the band members because they were such big fans. You know, you know that bit at the end of Perfume, where spoilers for Perfume, everyone, where you know someone gets covered with the the, the magical perfume, you know, the, the perfect perfume, and they get torn apart like this. Um, the whole mayonnaise kind of like uh, moment. Uh, so every time they're out in public and not in disguise, the players are being grabbed by the crowd and tor- You know, they wanted to tear them apart and eat them. Uh, like they kept looking for. I think the creepiest bit was. Um, oh, it's the bit the players remember. It's like someone asks, uh, "Can I take your? Can I take one of your fingernails as a souvenir?" Ooh. As they as they start trying to pull it off them, <laughs> you know. Uh, that that's kind of like the game. The game was let's take the rock and roll stuff and turn up the volume to sort of hellish intensity. Ooh. Yeah, it was that, really fun. It was agreeably creepy. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of actually, my worst fears. Actually, get my fingernails. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely like I always lean into what scares me. Actually, one of the characters is called the Godbinder, and the Godbinder is kind of like a cleric as demonologist. And what we do with them is you kind of make deals with gods, uh, and the players get to define their gods. So um, the guy who was playing the Godbinder, he made the god of his, his kind of feral wild god be, um, call it Steppenwolf, as it obviously born to be wild. Uh, yes. <laughs> the entire time I was actually playing, um, he, anytime he summoned Steppenwolf, I got stood behind him, and basically spoke to him to the tune of um, Born to be Wild, <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, made motorcycle noises. It was very silly. Excellent. I was actually thinking that it would be rad to have, like, a theme song for each character, like intro music when it's ever it's their turn. I mean, obviously, for, like, any sort of magic user, I would think you would use Black Sabbath, The Wizard. Yeah. Uh, so I use that idea. That's a... That's an idea I use quite regularly, as in having a playlist for the campaign. Mm. Did a game called Blade in the Dark. So I played a game called Blades in the Dark, which is kind of like, um, uh, I've got the name of the TV show. It's a load of people from Birmingham stabbing each other. It's Peaky Blinders. Ah. Uh, Peaky Blinders, but in a kind of like 19th century steampunk place. And you're all basically a gang causing trouble. Uh, and I gave all, you know, the whole thing of the playlist and the players kept on setting things on fire. So like Arthur Brown's uh, yeah. uh, fire was very clearly on there. Fire started by the prodigy. Um, a lot of Nick cave, but there's actually a guy, there's a game called um, 
uh, Tales from the Loop. Tales from the Loop is kind of like uh, like kids on bikes in 1980s kind of game. So like you're, you're children in the 1980s and going on adventures. So kind of like the Goonies, kind of like Stranger Things, that kind of vibe. Mm. Uh, but part of the actual character generation is you have to choose a theme tune. Excellent. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's, does the bard know, have to sing them? Oh no, they're all like you actually instead of having classes, you actually actually play like I'll be the geeky kid, I'll be the popular kid, nice. I'll be the rebel. You know, so you play those archetypes, <laughs> uh, and then you go on the, the you know, and it's it's a really fun game. It works very well. I mean, I've played that a few times, and I, I wouldn't say my favourite character, but I played one character who was the troublemaker. But instead of being the classic kind of American troublemaker, I was playing like the nineteen eighties Ian uh, Ian Curtis trench coat wearing early Smiths fan one CND badge. You know, big enormous boots, uh, writing out very angry fanzines, and I think uh, I think I use a um, Stone uh, Mobile Giants uh, track, Final Day, um, as her theme tune in terms of this kind of like 1980s, really small town stuff. It was a lot of fun. That sounds amazing. It's useful to like because you know what do we do? Like we use pop music to help us think who we are, don't we? Yeah. Like you know, we just it's, if I want to feel up, I'll put a certain record on, and if I kind of want to wallow in it, I'll put another one on. And those kind of like how to redefine yourself. So using that to characters is a real good way to sort of like make them real. Mm. Indeed. Mm. I was thinking of another game. Actually, I don't know if you ever heard of there was a gathering of the tribes music festival that Ian Asbury from the cult put on. Like, I think in the 90s. I I am aware of this. Yes. I don't remember any details, but I'm aware of it. It was like Soundgarden, Public Enemy, uh, Um. Pop. It was crazy. But I was thinking like gathering of the tribes got me thinking of magic. The mm. gathering of the tribes. I mean, could you do this <laughs> with a card game, you know, like have a band. I, I, I was trying to work out the details because if you're having a band, it'd be tough to try and drain everyone else of all their life points. But then again, that's kind of like inner band politics. Yeah. That's what, like, you, you, if you think about it, kind of anything can be turned into a game, which is quite a fun way to think about it. I mean, like, I remember um, there was... You know LARPs, as in live-action role-playing? Someone yes. did a, a LARP inspired by phonogram uh, called Visban. It's not called Visban. I forgot what it's called, unhelpfully. Uh, it's a phonogram LARP. And basically, it's all basically a dance party. So in other words, you design your cat And the genius of this person who designed the games, they realized the character classes weren't, you know, I like heavy metal or I like pop or whatever. They were actually about how you approach music. So it's like the people who a group of basic one school of magic are people who, you know, use music to get ang- angry. Another group, I use music to make me really happy. Another group, I think my music is objectively best, <laughs> which is great because that means that no matter what you're listening to, you're that elitist, you know that character, mm-hmm. and that you know, and the game comes about why people listen to music rather than the specifics of music. Uh, but then one of the other many genius mechanics is that it's played over about an hour. Uh, and you choose a song for your character to be their, you know, as you say, their theme song. And when that, and all these songs go on a playlist. And when your song turns up, you are the ultimate power in the game. So you can do whatever, you know, basically do whatever you want during the three minutes your uh, pop song is playing, <laughs> uh, which is a great way to like turn like a party into a game. That sounds excellent. Yeah, yeah. It's available. You can buy it. It's uh, quite cheap online. It works well with small groups, I believe. So if anyone wants to pretend to be magicians at, at club, it's a, a good time. What is it about the three minutes, 30 seconds that's like the magical pop time? Like, it's like, it was just, it was just the sort of, it's just practicality, isn't it? It's like, it's just what can fit on a 45, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, there's so much about, have you read, um, 
uh, how, the David Byrne How Music Works book. Not yet. But it's it, I recommend it. It's really, I say, I'm lying. I'm only halfway through it. Uh, and I got distracted by other research. But it's really good. And one of his things is how the music changes depending on where it's heard. Like, you know, like music heard in the open air on flat ground has very different acoustics to music played in a church. Which is at least one reason why music on the African savanna is made completely differently to music that would be played in a cathedral. And, and it's also telling. Most music is not played in spaces designed for it. But historically speaking... You know, it's like the um, like Wagner is like the first composer who actually got to build his own place for music to be played. As in, I know the I'm going to design the acoustics, and now I'm going to make music that is designed the best to be here. Whilst we, you know, we hear music through shitty speakers and cars, or we hear music through normal headphones, and that changes the sound, which works well. And that's of course the same as listening to a 40, you know a 45 record. What fits on a 45? What you know, and uh, how how music has changed since we've become like some society becomes more streaming based or more or when mp3s came in when when things became more uh, atomic you know what music works how, how do we choose to arrange albums so like for me it's always art and technology are kind of dancing they've always danced with each other and kind of the idea it was only really about 100 years in human history where art and um uh, art and technology pretend to not be friends <laughs> you know i think that's like i often think of Arda lovelace as, as the schism point as in because you can go slightly back you got coleridge and coleridge is a geologist as well as being a poet you know you go further back and you got you know my the, the great renaissance sculptures had to do technological progress to make those statues based around carrying the, the heavy objects about anyway they always dance indeed uh, so yeah, we were talking about anything could be a game. Oh, well, what, oh yeah, sorry. Saying, what makes a great pop song? I think mean, it's a good song. I, I tell you, what, there's there's an element of like in out. This works well, and it means that you don't have to. You can actually push an idea and repeat it to enough to be catchy, but not enough to annoy. And you don't need to find other variations of the idea to stretch it out to a longer piece. I mean, three minutes is a good amount of time to not get boring. <laughs> you know and it does mean that you can uh, be, make smaller ideas as in like an idea that would not expand to seven minutes can be fine with three minutes so it's like it there is a kind of level of there and i don't mean like because the counter argument you can imagine like the prog head saying yeah but if your idea doesn't expand to seven minutes what's the point of it and i just that's just nonsense like some things are only meant to be you know three minutes anyway you were saying anything exactly. can be a game yes um so yeah, this might be a bit of a long-winded question but i was thinking the Wicked and the Divine always reminds me of F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Beautiful and Damned. I mean, you got an extra the in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that book came out in 1922, which was, wasn't that the recurrence of the Pantheon before the one in 2012? Am I, am I correct uh, in this? You are correct. All it right. is an interesting. So it's, it's actually Fitzgerald I've never read. Uh, but I, I'm a, the coincidence is interesting, isn't it? Yes, I thought so. <laughs> and also, Ulysses and the Wasteland came out that year. I mean, it was a crazy year for literature, man. I, and mm. Ulysses and the Wasteland that seemed, sounds like a game I would want to play. <laughs> or a band I would go to see, Ulysses and the Wastelands. <laughs> <laughs> sort of postmodern punk rock band. Yeah. But, I mean, isn't like any any sort of novel like uh, an RPG that the author's taken on himself. I remember uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman saying they wrote the Dragonlance Chronicles just from transcribing their games. Yeah. I, I, I never knew they went that far, but I knew they were based on the games they were playing. Or maybe it wasn't uh, transcribed, but yeah. You know yeah. What I'm saying. It's interesting. I mean, like, 
I tell you, when I was when I was getting into comics, one of the first exercises I did to teach myself to write comics was I was playing in a and d game at the time, and it was a pretty basic D&D game. But the exercise was, okay, the, the game lasts like two, three, whatever hours. Um, I'm going to edit the, the experience in my head and turn it into 22 pages of comics. So I wrote these scripts. And, they, you know, they weren't really what happened. But they were like, okay, here are some interesting events. How can I edit them to make something that feels like a narrative? And that's kind of like how I taught myself to write a bit. And if you think, I mean, there's an argument, you know, that anyone who writes anything that has any autobiography at all is just taking their life experiences, editing brutally to turn into something else and printing them or writing a song about them or, you know, whatever. So there's some truth there. I was thinking, making the game out of it, could you have a game where everyone just chooses an author they wanted to be? But I mean, do authors even like hanging out together? I mean, I remember like Anthony Burgess would complain that Graham Greene would put carrots in his Lancashire hot pot. So it seems like if you had that game, it'd just be a bunch of arguments, like petty arguments going on like that. But it, it does, does seem interesting. Yeah, it does sound fun. And mess, I mean, arguments are kind of fun. <laughs> it's like, especially if you're talking about modern indie RPGs, like, like, you know, the D&D stuff is fun. And, you know, Die has a lot of that in. But you can kind of, there's games of everything, you know, now. As in the people doing the, working out how to mechanize and turn drama. I mean, there's like, there's a really good game called Monster Hearts. Monster Hunts is about queer teenage monsters. And it basically uses uh, the experience of, it's the queerness and its monsterness are kind of like all in quotation marks. Think kind of like ginger snaps and that kind of stuff. And a lot of the, whilst there's, also, there's occasionally external threats, it's really about these players getting in each other's faces, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, and trying to become better people uh, and often failing. So, you know what I mean? That kind of having arguments and having drama, that's every sitcom ever, you know? So like, if you immediately think about, okay, if writers don't get on, maybe that's the game, you know, the, the writers is like, okay, how are they going to annoy each other? And, you know, what they, and, you know, and how does that respond? And you end up writing moves like, okay, someone is, you've, when you write a better book than someone, you know, everyone else has to pick something from a list and it's like, you, you're genuinely happy for them. Or, you know, to, to you are utterly furious and swear revenge. You know, and then you kind of, the, the dice roll might be, okay, you've got to pick, if you roll really well, you, you can pick one from the list. If you choose really badly, you've got to pick two. So in other words, you've got to pick at least one bad thing. <laughs> so, you know, like, and, you, and it becomes basically a game of like a catamari of drama. I mean, it's actually, a, 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 what are the, um, uh, what are the, um, there's a game about, it's called Cartel, which I think is about like, uh, is it Mexican? I think, is it Mexican soap operas? I forget what the genre is called. And it's that kind of like. All right. Overwrought. Yeah, yeah. As in really big emotions. And apparently it's, it sings. And you could do that with all, you know, you could do a version of that around writers, I reckon. You can make a game of anything. People are smart. I was thinking it'd be rad to have like a seance with a bunch Ooh. of dead authors and have them go on a campaign together. Then you transcribe <laughs> that and put it out as a novel. I guess this is like the dinner party question. But if you were to do that, like what dead authors would you want to go on a campaign together? Oh, that's interesting. Because it's like, I tell you what, there's a game called... Um, something of the dreamlands uh which is a call a trailer cthulhu campaign when you basically all play um as far as i'm aware all the player characters are playing basically visionary uh surrealists (laughs) (laughs) so you're actually you're playing like the big names of surreal you play uh, whatever dardarus and you know you're playing them you get the bio and then you are them dragged into this weird world of like Cthulhu like, horror and that's apparently a fun thing I'd who like, would I take on my quest authors uh I'm just looking at the shelf opposite who'd be <laughs> useful I think most authors aren't useful <laughs> 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 hmm. 
Hmm. Yeah. I would say the stuff like immediately I've got a copy of Beowulf that's staring at me and like I would invite the Beowulf poet just so I know who they were. <laughs> you know, that kind of uh, mysteriousness. Excellent. Mm. And you mentioned the, uh, the the what's it called the Dreamlands. It's something the uh, something of the Dreamlands or something like that. It's by I think it's by Robin D. Laws. Because that took uh, it back to Dokken for me. I mean, their big hit was Dream Warriors, which was uh, the uh, yeah. soundtrack to Nightmare on Elm Street Three, I believe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like the actual Die is weirdly Nightmare on Elm Street Three has weird connections with Die. It's a movie I've never seen, but people talk to me a lot when I was a teenager. So it's like, I reckon some of the DNA of that just crept in. Man, it comes up again today, man. It does. So, I mean, uh, that's all my questions. Anything you want to plug coming up? Um, this has been a delight to talk. Thank you very much for having me on and showing me kind Southern hospitality. Uh, I think I, like Die's second volume is out at the moment. Or oh, it's out in February now. Yes. Uh, and it's, is it February? Yeah, it's February. It's called uh, Split the Party. That's out. The first volume's still out. Uh, What's the Future, which is like my kind of Arthurian, like Monster Hunter comic, that comes out in, in March. Uh, and that's about it. But no. so if, int- if anything about this RPG stuff appeals, I've got a newsletter, like, just my name uh, on, on Substack. And I talk about like art and music and games and everything else. And the RPG is available for beta and free to download. So knock yourself out. Well, thank you very much, Karen. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. That guy's got a lot of cool ideas, man. Definitely check out his work. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like that, I got another podcast going called The Young Southpaw Part of an Hour with all my surreal stories and stuff. You can find it on all places where podcasts, you know, do their thing, you know. And there's a bunch of stuff up at youngsouthpaw.com if you want to check out more videos and whatnot. Do join the mailing list. And now let's play us out. (laughs) 